John chapter 8, Jesus is talking. Look down with me, if you would, at verse number 31. Now, it says that Jesus was talking to the Jews which believed on him. Now, who would that be? Well, that, that's called in modern-day terms Christians. See, that, the, the Jews that believed on him, that, that's the ones who trusted him as their Lord and Savior. That's the ones who believed that he is the Messiah. That's the one who believed that he is the Christ. That's the one who believed that he is the one that was prophesied in the Old Testament to come to be born as we just celebrated in thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be least among the thousands, the king shall come out of you. That's the ones that believed that Jesus Christ was going to pay their sin debt. That's the ones that believed that Jesus Christ is king of kings and lord of lords, that there is no stop, there is no quit. That's the ones that believed the things that Jesus had to say. So that's the ones that, that are just like you and I. Anybody believe in what he says? Anybody believe the book? Anybody believe the word? From in the beginning to amen, we talked about it last week. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. It may talk about creation. It may talk about eternity and revelation. But everything in this book is focused towards one thing. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the only begotten Lamb, where God prepared himself a Lamb that you and I might be saved. So he's talking to Christians. I just want to make sure that we understand who he's talking to right here. Since you and I are called Christians, he says, if. Y'all got that word circled in your Bible? If you don't, that'd be a really good time to circle it. That'd be a really good time to underline it. That'd be a really good time to take a look. Because if is a big word. If ye continue in my word. What's his word? You hold it in your hand. If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And Jesus says, if. Tiny, tiny little two-letter word in the English language, but it's a very important word. If we will continue in his word. Verse number 32 says there that, that we shall know the truth. It is the truth. This is what will set you free. This, this is what will calm your storms. This is what will heal your sickness. This is what will change your life. It is the truth of the Word of God. If we just hear it. every year, people make New Year's resolutions. Oh, we're at the perfect time, January 1. People make resolutions to change things. I'm going to make a resolution. People make resolutions to, to, to change their diet, to get healthier, to eat healthier, to lose weight, to stop smoking, to change the way of life. Every year, people make resolutions to do things. A revolution is defined as a fixed purpose or a determination of the mind. You with me? A determination of the mind. As a resolution to reform our lives. As a resolution to undertake an expedition. This morning I want to take just a few minutes. And I want to look at a resolution that matters. God thank you so much. For being so incredibly good. God thank you for an answered prayer. Michelle Pickles sitting right here in this house. Thank you for your sweet Holy Spirit present in this place. Thank you God that there is honey in the rock. 
that there is a purpose in the plan. Thank you, Father, that, that we have a Lord Jesus that we can tell people about that changed our lives, God. If, if we look back at the moment of salvation, everything changed, God. We just want to tell you thank you. Father, I pray you'd help us, God, to be usable vessels, Lord. I pray you'd teach us something this morning. I pray, God, would you move any hindrance, any evil spirit out of this place, God, anything that came in to sow discord or cause problems, God, I pray you'd remove it from every individual. May you do what only you can do. May your Holy Spirit speak to every individual in this place according to each personal need, God. We love you. You've been good to us, Father. We just want to tell you thank you. We love you and we trust you. Lord, we pray above all things, may you be pleased with everything that we do in this place. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. All of God's people said, amen. You guys can be seated. You know, most everybody in here at some point or another, we've, we've made a New Year's resolution. Perfect time of year, right? We, we come up with these things. And, and many times, what we attempt to do is such a drastic change that we set ourselves up for failure. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let, let me just, it's, it's just, it's just real. We can be real in here, can't we, this morning? If we can't be real, we're not going to get anything out of this. Anybody here made a New Year's revolution? Re, re, revolution? Revolutions work, but we're not looking to revolve things, but resolve things. Anybody here make a, ever make a resolution and you didn't finish it? It was good at the time, wasn't it? I mean, man, I'm going to work out. I'm going to get up at 4.30 and go to the gym. I'm going to work out. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to be like, yeah, right. See, see, we, many times we, we set things up. We make them so, so complicated because we try to change things too fast. Here's what I want us to do this morning. I'm going to go ahead and give you the focus so you can pay attention right here because I want you to know what I want us to do this morning. I want us to read the Word of God together this year. This church. We'll look at some things that we've been doing lately, and we'll look at the difference it'll make. But I want you to understand that, that I believe God can change our lives. See, the truth is, it's not easy to change. But by the same token, it's not that difficult. The problem with change is that we want it too fast. See, we live in this microwave society, right? I don't just want what I want. I want it right now. I don't want it in five minutes. I don't want it tomorrow. I don't want it a year from now. I don't want the goodness of God to, to change me over the next year. I want it right now. That's not how God works. So a lot of times we make things so complicated because we try to do it so fast. Real change takes time. It takes a, a commitment. Now, one of the things that you may want to do that will definitely help is to get yourself an accountability partner. There are a few things that can help you succeed better than a sincere accountability partner. Somebody that you hold them accountable, they hold you accountable. You make sure of it every day that they did their reading, that you did yours. Accountability partners can be great, but it needs to be somebody that's just as determined as you are. Because it doesn't matter how many accountability partners you have. If you're not committed to change, you're not going to. If you're not committed to what it is that you're going to do. See, the best things that we can work on to change in our life is our spiritual life. And we have a Holy Spirit that can help with that if we'll just read the book. The, the best things that we can change in our life is not just physical appearance things. It's not things to, to be seen or to look and make us feel better. The best things that we can change in our life is the things that other people can see and can benefit from it. And not only changes us, but it changes those around us. See, if we're Christians, people ought to see Christ in us. We ought to make a difference. 
Listen, I'm just telling you straight up. When you walk into the conference room where you work and they're telling a dirty joke, it ought to stop when you walk in that room. They ought to know where you stand. They ought to know you make a difference. They ought to know when you come in to dry out the filthy language. You ought to make a difference. If we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, listen, you walk into the room and they're all sitting in darkness and you turn on light, what happens? All the darkness has got to get out of town. Dark cannot stay where light is present. If the light of, the, of, of God is living in us and he said that we're the light of the world, when we walk into a room, darkness has got to get out of town. Does it happen? Probably not so much, but it can. See, see, God can change you and I, but, but we're, we're, just, we're, we're a process of time. None of us has arrived. I, I'm assuming that nobody has arrived. I'm assuming nobody in here is exactly like Jesus Christ and has no mistakes and nothing on your plate. I, I, I'm assuming that, that we're all still a work in progress. Which means we're not what we're going to be. When I see him, I shall be like him, for I shall see him as he is. We ain't got there. But thank God we're not where we were before the blood was applied. We're not where we were on the other side of the cross. We've been washed in the blood, redeemed of the Lamb of God. How many of you believe right now that you are different than you were the day before you got saved? Now that day, that was a quick change. That was a very recognizable change, a very noticeable change on the day I got saved. The Holy Spirit moved in. That was an easier change because I had something living inside of me that made me want to clean up my language, made me want to hang out with different people, made me not want to go to places. I didn't have to decide I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to go there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But ever since then, it's been a gradual change. And, and, that, and that's, what, that's what I want us to look at here this morning. You know, COVID came in and it changed a lot of things a couple years ago. It came in and it caused some people to start sitting home. Let, let me tell you what COVID did. I, I've said it privately enough. I don't remember if I've said it publicly. So if, if you're not one of the ones I've already offended, I'll add you to the list now. COVID came in and took casual Christianity to another level. COVID came in and took the ones that can take it or leave it in the house of God and decided to leave it. COVID came in and gave people an excuse to not have to come to the church. COVID gave, gave people a reason to sit and watch it on live stream. I know some of you are sick. I, I know somebody that's born out of town. I thank God for live stream that you guys can plug in. And, and, and I hope that you get to see the flame this morning. Kind of like watching the fire. I hope you get to see it. But you can't feel the warmth. See, you, you got to be here. And, and the truth is... All a lot of that is, is is just an alibi to not be in the house of the Lord. So COVID changed a lot of things. It, it let those who were looking for a way out to have a way out. And many of them haven't come back. Now, right here, you're, you're going to pause what? But that's not our responsibility. Pay attention. That is not our responsibility. We've made calls to them. We've sent them text. We've let them know we loved them. We've let them know the church house is open. The doors are open. God is being praised. The families come together. You're welcome to come back in. But they're going to make up their own mind. So, so our job is to, to reach out. But, but we don't have to just keep on going. See, the, the Bible talks about people that if somebody falls away, like somebody quits going to church, that then we reach out. But, but the decision is strictly up to them. We're not to have to beg them to come to church. 
Jesus, Matthew chapter 18, verse 11, said, The Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Thank you, Jesus. That's me. Anybody else got a that's me in the house? Jesus came to set us free from our sin, to break the chains of sin, to take away the burdens, to wash away the stains of the past, that all things pass away. Behold, all things become new. If all things didn't become new, you need to recheck your salvation. The Holy Spirit can't move in you and not change you. The Holy Spirit of God can't move into a dirty house and leave it dirty. The minute he moves in, he's going to start cleaning some things up. So, so Jesus came to seek. He came to save that which was lost. Verse number 12 says, How think ye if a man have a hundred sheep? One of them be gone astray. Doth he not leave the ninety and nine, goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that one which is gone astray? And if so be he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. There is rejoicing in the house of the Lord when, when a prodigal comes home. There is rejoicing in the house of the Lord when one of them comes back. So, so it says that we're going to look for it. Even so is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Jesus shows us there is a necessity to reach out. There, there's a necessity to reach out to the sheep. that, that may, maybe, maybe he just saw that blade of grass over there. It was so green he just had to have it. And, and another little blade of grass before, no, he got lost. Maybe he didn't mean to. But, but he's out there. There's a necessity to reach out. But he also says, Matthew chapter 18, continuing on, verse number 15, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. If he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. If he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. If he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. So we're commanded to reach out. We're, we're commanded to try to, to pull them back in. But the choice that they make is indeed their choice. You know, in the old days, if a sheep got lost, the shepherd went looking for it. He, when, when he evaluated his herd, his flock, and he looked, if one was missing, he went and found that one. And even the Bible may say he rejoiced that he found it. And he brought it back into the fold and he put it back in there. But if that sheep got lost again, that shepherd go look for that sheep. When he found that sheep that time, he would break his leg. And he would have to carry that sheep around on his shoulders until that leg got well. And, and that, the hopes would be that that sheep learned to stay with the shepherd. The sheep learned to stay with the flock. Not get out among the wolves. Not get out there, but, but stay within the sheepfold. If he got lost again, the shepherd would go look for him. Because the shepherd had to have something for dinner that night. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? Sometimes enough is enough. We, we, we are to, to reach out and to look. The mission of the church. See, th there's a time for those out there that we are to pray for them and lead them over to God. Uh, whether you want to turn them over to reprobate mind, however you want to say it. There is a point in time they know the will of God. They know the word of God. They know the way of God. Remind them, tell them, let them know you love them. Pull them back in. Here's the key. You want to change them? Here's the key. This is all you can do. Pray for them daily. 
put their name on your list because you can't remind them every day. Matter of fact, the more you do to remind them, most of the time all you can do is offend them. But the Holy Spirit can wake them up in the middle of the night. The Holy Spirit can keep them from sleeping in the morning. The Holy Spirit can remind them of where they need to be. So if you, want, if you really want to see somebody back in the house of God that's gotten straight out, pray for them. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gave us the commandment to the church. He told us in the last two verses there in 19 and 20, before he left, before he ascended, before he went up in, as we see over in Acts, when, when he ascended up into the heavens, he, he said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. That means he's never going to leave us or forsake us. I'm with you always, even the end of the world. Amen. Our job as a Christian is to reach the lost. Our job as a Christian is to make disciples. Our job as a Christian is to make a, a difference, to, to preach the gospel with, with our lives. When, when he says going to all the world, that starts with our neighbor. That starts with our coworker. That starts with the ones at the gas station. That starts with the teller at the grocery store. That starts with everybody. He's not saying you got to be a missionary. What he is saying is you got to get in and, and support those missionaries. You got to partner with them. They'll take care of that over there, but you got to take care of LaGrange, Georgia. You got to take care of Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and then the uttermost parts of the earth. We're walking past people dying and going to hell every day and making no difference. Our call, our call is to live our lives as a Christian. Not on Sunday morning. Not, not with our lips, but live it. We ought to live our life in a way that people can see Christ in us. People can see a difference in us. People can see a smile that doesn't make sense. You're smiling regardless of the stuff. Not, not because your situation is good. You're smiling in, in spite of your situation. Not because the storm is past. You're smiling in spite of the storm. Your old white, pearly white teeth is shining, making the dark clouds go away. And people don't understand. How can you have such a joy? His name's Jesus. People are supposed to see a, a difference in us. There is no way. No way that a single person will ever, ever grow closer to the Lord without reading that book and praying every single day of your life. There is no way. Anybody listening to me? It's New Year's. Man, I know we was up late last night. I'm not going to get into all that. I'm not going to get into all that. Reminding me of my prayer life right about now. We're never going to get any closer to the Lord if we don't read that book. Not every once in a while. Not, listen, the reason you can smile in the storms, you don't get this out and start reading it when the storm gets there. By reading this, this is how you walk on the water when the waves get there. This is how you have a faith like Peter. And you see what happened when he took his eyes off of the word, he began to sink. That's us. This is every single day of our lives. It doesn't matter if you got saved last Sunday. It doesn't matter if you got saved 50 years ago. It doesn't matter if you've never read through a single chapter of the Bible or if you've read through the entire Bible 50 times. No matter where we are in our Christian life, the only way to get closer to God is to read that book. I want you to take your Bibles back out. I want you to turn to another passage with me. This one's probably about the easiest one to find. Psalms is the largest book. It's easy to find Psalms. You got a pretty good idea midway over the Old Testament. In chapter 119 is the biggest chapter out there with 176 verses. Y'all be able to find this one. 
It ought not take us too terrible long. So I want to take just a few minutes, and I want to look at Psalms here in chapter 119. I have, I have read this chapter several times, I know, because I've read the Bible through several times. And I've read through this chapter several times. How many of you know what it's like to read the Word of God and read something you know you've read a lot of times and see something you ain't ever seen? That's called living Word. That's called living water. See, that's what the Word of God is. It's moving water. It's living water, bringing life, bringing nutrition, bringing refreshment. It's always moving. It's not like a pond. It's not stagnant water that stands still and becomes stagnant and poisoned and eventually dries up. It's living water. The Word of God will always bring you something fresh. The Word of God always brings some new stuff. So, so I've read Psalms 119 a lot of times, but, but I've never seen it quite like this before. Many believe that the author of this book is David, and it's possible it could have been David in his latter years. He did not sign off on it the way that he did on several of the Psalms that he wrote. We know for certain David wrote many of the Psalms. But regardless of who wrote it, this is obviously somebody that's in the latter years of their life. They've obviously lived quite a while. They're in, they're in their elder years. They're in, in their older age. But this is somebody that's learned how to live their life acceptable to God. How many of you want that? I'm going to make sure we're on the same page before we keep going. He's learned how to live his life pleasing to God. He's learned how to praise God in the good times. But he's learned how to praise God in the bad times. He's learned how to praise God when the sun was out. But he's learned how to praise God when the rains blew and the winds beat vehemently on the house. And the rock stood strong. He's learned how to praise God. He's learned how to worship when it don't make sense to worship. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He's learned how to worship when it simply just doesn't make sense to the world. The bottom line is they've learned that the only success is through the Word of God. And that, that's what you see in his letter. Albert Barnes' commentary. <coughs> excuse me. Albert Barnes' commentary says that this is an alphabetical psalm. The longest and most perfect in its kind in the collection of psalms. The peculiarity of the composition consists of this. The first eight verses of the psalm begin with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. That is a left that you see there in your text. The next eight verses deals with the second letter, Beth. So on throughout the 22 letters of the alphabet. So Psalms 119 is divided into 22 different sections of the 22 alphabets of the Hebrew language. But here's where it really ties in and it's so awesome. The number 22 in the Word of God always represents light. So you want to see some light? You, you want to see the light that, that God brings on the subject? <clears throat> he says the general subject of, of this psalm is the law of God considered as the rule of life. Y'all hear that? Are you still turning in your Bible? Did you miss that? He, he says that the psalm is, is the law of God considered as the rule of life. As a sanctifying the soul, as support and trial, as imparting happiness to the mind in its contemplation and in obedience to it. This psalm appears to have been intended to be set forth from the excellency of the law and the happy effects of obeying it. I, I know I'm reading a commentary. I know I'm reading man's opinion. But, but I like that, that. That it sets forth the excellency and the happy effects of obeying it. There are happy effects to obeying the Word of God. There are happy effects to living your life in line with this book. 
He says, in every variety and form, with every variety of expression. He goes on and says, in his great length, extended to 176 verses. There was ample opportunity to illustrate this, and the purpose of the author of the Psalms seems to have been to see how much could be said on this and to say all that could be said on it. It's remarkable that a single subject could be pursued so far with so much variety and with so little that can be regarded as repetition, for there are perhaps no two verses in this psalm so exactly similar that cannot be, there cannot be some new phase given to the subject or some new shade of thought not expressed elsewhere. He closes with this. The psalm seems to be a record of the personal experience of the author given result of his experience in regard to the influence of the law or the word of God in the various circumstances of life, in regard to what he had found himself personally. And so the author of Psalms 119 is trying to tell us, I found something. <laughs> I found unspeakable joy. I have found something in my life that made me happy on the worst days of my life. I have found something in my life that changed my life, and it'll change yours. That's what he's saying. And, and so he writes it. How many of you in here really just want to know, what is the secret to happiness? Nobody? Anybody want to be happy? Anybody want joy? Anybody just want to know, what is the secret to happiness? Well, number one, name's Jesus Christ. There's your secret. Salvation in the blood of the Lamb. You can't be happy if you don't have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you're still living in the old flesh, you can't be happy through the storms. But there is a happiness. Listen, <clears throat> before I get... Just, salvation is not the end of your troubles. Salvation is not the end of your problems. It's the end of your sin on record. It's the end of hell for all of eternity. But it's not the end of your problems. It's not going to make everything bad go away. So, so that means as a Christian, I still need to know what is it that can give me joy? What is it that, that can rise up inside of me and give me joy even in bad situations? Them things ain't no good right side up, much less upside down. What is it that can give me a, a joy that can't be taken away? You know, a, a joy that, that can't be watered down or, or, or washed out. A, a joy that can't be forgotten. It's always present no matter what's going on in my life. We talked about it last week. We looked at joy, unspeakable joy. That's what we looked at, an unspeakable joy that rises up inside of me. And it overcomes whatever it is that life tries to bring my way. What is the secret to life? 22 paragraphs. 176 verses, and <clears throat> those of you kids said, surely to God he's not going to read all of them. Well, I don't think I am, but then again, I don't have my final instructions just yet. But we're going to start with number one, But because I want you to see what, what this psalmist who said that he's found the, the key to joy, I, I want us to see together what it is. <clears throat> Beginning with the first alphabet left, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. That's the word of God. Number two, blessed are they that keep his testimonies. That's the word of God. That seek him with the whole heart. And they also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. That's the word of God. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. That's the word of God. 
and all that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. That's the word of God. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. That's the word of God. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. That's the law of God. I will keep thy statutes. That's the law of God. Then he says, forsake me not utterly. Law, testimonies, ways, precepts, statutes, commandments, judgments, word. It's all the same. Everything in every verse that he is referring to is simply the word of God. The second letter of the alphabet, Beth, he begins there in verse number 9. Listen, listen, y'all ready? Y'all looking at it? Say amen. amen. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Where? Where is it that we can clean some things up? Where is it that we can get some closets and some shelves dusted off and cleaned up? Where is it that, that a young man can cleanse his way by taking heed thereunto according to thy word? Verse number 10 and 11. Here's the two verses that brought me to this passage. Here's the two verses that I focused on when I came to this passage to look for joy, unspeakable joy, to look for the, the, the answer. This is what brought me here, these two verses. With, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Boy, there's your first key. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. We got priorities messed up. Most of our New Year's resolutions are focused on worldly things and not godly things. Worldly success and not godly success. Popularity and, and, and not being pleasing to the Father. He, he says, with my whole heart have I sought thee. That's key number one. But, but here's what he says. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. You want to please God? Stay in the book. Stay within the word. Verse number 11 to me, this, this is the key to the entire passage. This is the key to, to life. This is the key to the unspeakable joy that we talked about. To me, this is the key to every single area in our lives. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. If we want to live a life pleasing to God, the word's got to be stored in here. God can recall whatever you need, whenever you need it, and put it there, but he can't recall what you never put in. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Next letter, next of the alphabet, Gamal. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Verse number 19, here we are, thank God, strangers in the earth. We are strangers and pilgrims passing through. This is not home. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. This is not my home. This place that we have to keep putting together and nailing up and patching up in this place that keeps falling apart around us. We're just pilgrims passing through, but we have a job to do on our way through. The job is to gather up as many lost sheep as we can and take them to the Father's house with us when we go. Well, I should have got at least one amen in the house of God. I just preached to myself. It's okay. It don't matter to me. I'm having myself quite a time in New Year's. Bless God, I will teach my statutes. Where was I even? Anybody, want to tell, anybody know what verse I'm on? What? 15? 2-0? I've already made it all the way down to there. 
I told you I was having a good time. I'm a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. Verse number 20, my soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. Verse 22, remove me from reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies are also my delight and my counselors. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. I've declared my ways and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so I shall talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness, strengtheneth me uh, thou according unto thy word. Remove from me the way of lying. Neither shall there be any liars. Anyway, remove from me the way of lying. Grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck into thy testimonies. O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run in the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. I need to read all 176 of them and we're starting to get the point. Every one of them is about the book. Every one of them is about the word of God, the law of God, the statute of God, the commandment of God. Every one of them says, you want joy in your life? Read the book. You, you want to be pleasing to God? Read the book. You want to be led by God? Read the book. You, you, you want to be happy and you want to make those around you happy? He, he says, read the book. Uh, turn, turn. I want to read one more anyway. Y'all look down to verse number 50 with me. I at least got to read verse number 50. This is my comfort in affliction. Time out. How many of you want that? How many of you need comfort in affliction? You, you need joy in sorrow. You, you, you need for the sun to break through the clouds. You need to be able to see what's on the other side of the storm. He, he, says, he says, this is my comfort in my affliction. For thy word hath quickened me. That, that hath quickened me, that comes from the word it means has revived me. It has kept me. It has nourished me. It has preserved me, repaired me, restored me, and made me whole. What is it that can do that? It's the Word of God. 176 verses. There's only one out of 176 verses that does not reply directly to the Word of God. So if we want to live our lives in a way that's pleasing to God, we're going to have to read the Word. We're going to have to read the book. You know, life's full of excuses. Uh-oh. Life is full of excuses Everybody has excuses, including me. If you don't, just bear with me because I do. Anytime I start thinking of one, Paul Hutchins rings in the back of my ear. Because I've heard it said so many times, man. Everybody has excuses. And they only sound good to the one making them. To everybody else, it just sounds like an excuse. What about this? Do we not realize that one day soon, whether the trumpet sounds, the eastern skies part, Gabriel blows, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, steps up, calls up the born-again, raptured-out church, and takes us home, or whether we leave by way of the grave, it don't matter. We're checking out of here someday soon. No matter how young you are, it ain't going to be long until you realize that really wasn't all that young. 
How many of you know that time just keeps on getting faster? It's really not as much that time has changed. It's just that, that everything around it, the gauges of it, you're like, how did I get here? I don't know why I'm getting off in all that. I don't even know where I'm at. Now I'm going to get lost. Life is full of excuses. One day soon, we're going to stand before Jesus Christ. There's going to be a judgment seat of Christ where works will be tried as by fire. Those things done for the glory of God, those things that receive reward, those things done for the pat on the back, the rewards of men, the, the attention of man, those things will suffer loss. Those things that would haste double, they'll burn up. So, so we know that one day soon we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And, and what, what if he asks us some questions and, and the answer is, I, I, don't, I don't know. And, and you continue, go, I, I don't know. What if he says, what do you mean you don't know? It's written in the book. Isn't it going to be awful to have to look at the one that climbed down off of the throne of heaven, came down, jumped into a little baby's body, lived 33 and a half years of abuse and turmoil and rejection, climbed up on an old rugged cross, took that kind of beating, shed his blood all over Golgotha, gathered it up, took up there and paid for my sin debt, washed away all my sin, gave me an eternal home, prepared a mansion in heaven, brought me into a place with streets of gold, walls of onyx and jasper and all manner of precious stone, 12 gates, each gated of a single pearl, to have to look that Messiah in the eyes and say, but I never read the book. I, I, I never read it from cover to cover. Boy, that's going to be a hard one. To have to, I wonder what excuse right then is going to sound good. What, what do you mean you didn't read the book? Well, well, well I, I, didn't, I, I didn't have time. Well, I mean, I gave you, what, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. How much time did you need? Well, well, you, you know, I, I started it. I started it several times. I started it. I was going to read it, but. Well, you know, I mean, I, I would have finished it. I would have finished it if. And, and, we, and we stagger around with, with all of the, these different. See, but and if. I referred to it there at the beginning. That's too smart. That's two tiny little words. But and if. I would have but. I would have if. See, look, those are called hinge words. Because the next statement hinges on them. So what you have is two little hinge words that swing some mighty doors. I, I would have but. I remember. I remember. I got saved, y'all know the story, January 5th, 1986, New Hope Baptist Church, Fayetteville, Georgia. I remember that. Everything in my life changed. At that moment, everything changed. Been changing ever since. I'm very thankful for it. <clears throat> but it was either the next year or the next. It was within one or two years of being saved. I remember Pastor Ike Reichert, he gave us a challenge. And he gave us a challenge to read the Bible through in a year. How many of you in here... Listen, I ain't saying I used to. I still do hate to read. I hate reading. But I love reading that book. See, I hate the actual reading. I just love what I get out of it. I read books by authors of people that write stuff because they're men of wisdom. And you gain knowledge. You gain wisdom. You gain experience. You gain strength. But nothing will teach you anything about reading that book. Well, I remember the first time I read it. I remember reading the Old Testament stories, and they were like lights coming on to me. Oh, yeah, I heard all the stuff growing up in Sunday school back when I was living that life. But, but I mean, I can remember reading the Old Testament, and what a yearly reading plan does, it mixes the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it would stop my reading, move me to the New Testament. I didn't want to stop. I mean, I was so intrigued in the story that I just wanted to stay here. And so for several years, that's what I did every year. I just read the Bible through. 
I had that one-year Bible, and I just read it through year after year. But I began to realize I wasn't learning very much like I wanted to. I wasn't learning as fast as I wanted to. So I started doing word studies and verse studies and breaking things down to learn. Now, here's a simple truth. It's an absolute fact that I learned more when I began doing word studies and, and verse studies and breaking things down. But I can look back on my life at the first year I read the Bible through in a year, and I can see the change that it made in me. The reason I wanted to do a word study was because I had read it. The reason I wanted to know more about God is because I had read it. The, the reason I wanted to try to do better was because I read it. I'm just saying everything changed but because of reading the Word of God. Ike Reichard gave us a challenge. I want to give us the same challenge. See, here's what I want for me. I've been accused of saying, I want, I want, I want, I want. Well, I do want. I want. Anybody here want? If you didn't raise your hand, you'll lie. I, I, I want some things. Here's what I want from me. I want to be closer to God tomorrow than I am right now. I want to be closer to God Tuesday than I am tomorrow. If Jesus Christ don't come get me by next Sunday, I want to be closer to God than I am right now. I want to walk closer to him. I want to trust him more. I want to lean on him more. I want to pray more. I want to talk to him more. I want to be closer than I am right now. And it's possible. But here's what else I want. I want the same thing for every one of you. But because I know the unspeakable joy in Christ. I know the unspeakable joy in the book. So, so I want the same thing for everybody. I want us all to be closer next week than we are this week. But I really want this as well. I want this entire church to be closer to God. I want this church to be closer together. I want us to be closer together as a unit, as the family of God. Faith Baptist Church. Listen, we're all, the church is our family. I get that. But this right here is what God has put together to serve. If, if I'm going to continue to pray, God, help us to reach LaGrange, Georgia, to, to turn this town upside down, one soul at a time with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to change this town, to get some of the trash off the streets out there, them places like commotions over on 27. That kind of filth needs to be shut down. It don't have no place in this city. There ought to be a church standing right there proclaiming the gospel. See, I know that we can be stronger. I know that we can be one. It's impossible. I mean, it's possible, but it's up to us. We, we've got to make each day about reading this book. Every day of 2023. See, if, there's that word again, if we just read this book. So God showed me something as I was studying. Anybody remember the cards? Mine's in my office. Anybody remember the six-week card? No, not the numbers card. The six-week card. Anybody, anybody still got one in your Bible? Week one, and then we did week two, and then we, we did six weeks together. Learning, doing some things together. That was a few months ago. And, and we read the book of John together while we were doing that. 21 days, 21 chapters, we read it together. By the time we got through and we had finished the six weeks, we turned around and we read John together again. 21 more days. 21 more chapters. We, and and here, here's the deal. Many of you began to tell me what it was doing in your life. How it was helping you. How you were growing. And I'm not talking about people that never read the Bible before. I'm talking about Sunday school teachers. I'm talking about deacons. I'm talking about people on staff. I'm talking about people that were thinking just like me. It actually helped me. 
See, I am, I am a product of what I was warned of in Bible college. I, I have fallen for what I was warned not to fall for. See, I was told that what will happen as a pastor of church, you'll become so focused on studying that you'll stop reading just for the joy of reading, and I'm that guy now. Every time I open it and try to read, I start looking for something. I'm looking for a message. I'm looking for something to help me. I'm looking for something that God puts there. And I'm always looking. I can't just sit down. You know what reading the Bible together with you guys did? It just let me sit down and enjoy reading the book of John. It reminded me how much pleasure there is in just getting to sit down and read this book. And then we read Matthew together, 28 chapters, 28 days. Then we took a week and we read 1 John together. Well, five days we read 1 John. Most of us took day 6 and 7 to read 2 and 3 John, so it completed the week. But, but God gave us some things to do together. And what he did, he began a process in us. He began developing. He began developing a reading habit together for all of us, something that we could discuss together. And, and he began a prayer. Remember the six weeks, the pray? Remember what the prayers were? You're supposed to pray for somebody specifically. Somebody that wasn't on your A1 list. You know what I'm talking about? Pray for your enemy, which despitefully use you and persecute you. Say all manner of evil against you. Pick that one out and put them at the top of your list. Remember, God, God was doing something in us. God was teaching us something as a unit about praying together and about reading together. Jesus said, if, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Here's what I want us to do, and it's a great time to start. It's the same challenge that Ike Reichert gave us many years ago. It's to read the Bible through in a year. It's called a one-year Bible. This is the King James, and the King James is what I'm going to order. If I order them, I'll go ahead and tell you. So I can get these by the case. They're about 12 bucks a piece. I didn't go ahead and order them because I wasn't going to be able to get them here because of shipping and the holidays. And they like to, what did I say about excuses? So they had a lot of excuses. So I haven't ordered them yet. So what I did do is I went and printed out the one-year Bible. There's 50 of these out there. I want to make sure at least every family takes one of these home with you. Do me a favor. If you go out there and there ain't one there, don't leave without it. You call me. I'll go down to the office. I'll print some more. There's 50 of them. Make sure every home has one. This is what we're going to use this week. It is day one. This is the month of January. Day one with a check. Day two with a check. And it just goes to the month of January. The whole year is there. And the reason I'm telling you that, if you want to use your own Bible to read, you're going to need one of these. But it does not get any simpler than that. You open it up and it says January the 1st. Don't matter what day of the way, it says January the 1st. You, you read Genesis 1 through, I think, 2, 20, maybe. Then you read a little bit in Matthew. Then you read six verses of the book of Psalms and six verses of the book of Proverbs. The next morning, you open it, January 2. It takes about 15 minutes. Let me ask you something. Do you believe that by this time next year, if you've read this entire book one day at a time, do you believe it changed your life? Uh, it's, it's just an honest question. It's not a churchy question, not super spiritual question, not some holy, holy question. It's, it's just a simple question. Do you in your heart truly believe that one year from right now, if you've read that book, if you have completed it one year from right now, right now it will change your life? you believe that? Do you believe it will change this church? 
See, I believe it'll not only grow us closer to the Lord, I believe it'll grow us closer to each other because we are one unit. God's got plans for this church. God's got plans for all of us to do. So, so here's, here's what I want to do. That this, I want everybody to go ahead and get one of these because you're going to need it this week anyway. Make sure every family has one for your checklist. Some of you, I know you do your Bible reading on your phone. That's okay. You've got your digital notepad and all your stuff. There is an online version. This is oneyearbibleonline.com. There is an online version. Either way, put a reminder on your phone to remind you. So every morning when you get up, the reminders are on your phone. Don't forget your daily reading. Most of you probably have, probably already have the, 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 what's the, what's the one, what's the Bible? What's the one we got, Miss Sylvia? Who? version. Y'all got version? If y'all got version, you already get a reminder every morning about your daily devotion and your daily reading your text. Get something that's a reminder. But, but I want us to read this book together this year because I know what it did for me. And, and I, I'll tell you straight up, I, I need it. I, I need it. I need it. So it's not going to change. It's not going to change hours of studying. It's not. It's not going to change word study. It's not going to change my prayer time. This is an additional 15 minutes to just sit down and read and just let God show me something. To just sit there and base in the joy of the Lord. Are you all in? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to order. Valerie, come up here and count for me. I need, I need, I need somebody to count. Alex, Alex, come up here and count for me. You, you count them all, and you count them all. I'll take it somewhere in between and figure one of you get it right. If you want me to order you one of these books, I'll do my best to have them here next week. But I really want us to use the book if you can. It's just incredibly simple. Remember what I said earlier about the reason so many resolutions fail is because we set ourselves up for failure. Well, God's already given us time to read this. He started it several months ago when we started reading all those things together and doing that card together. The time's already built in for us to do this together. God's already put it there. And this is as easy as it gets, 15 minutes a day. I just want everybody to be successful. So here's what I want to know. If you want me to order you one of these, and, and I, let me tell you this up front, they're $12 a piece. And if you don't have $12, don't let that stop you from standing up. If you're not going to read it, don't stand up. I, I, I don't want to waste money. I want to invest money. If $12 is an issue, don't worry about it. You know, nothing. Just, just stand up that you want the book. If you can afford $12 and you can put $12 in the, book, in the box out there next week when you get your Bible. What I want to know, and they're going to count, if you want me to order you one of these, I want you to stand up. If you're going to read it in your own Bible, that's fine. I just want to make sure everybody gets one of these. Make sure you get one of them out front so you can read in your own. If you want to do online, that's okay. So you two guys count for me. Both of you count everybody, and we'll have a number. So, so while they're... While they're counting, I want you to stay just like you are. If you're standing, I want you to stay standing. If you're sitting, I want you to stay sitting. But I want you to bow your head right where you are. Reading the book will teach you a lot. But it's not about knowledge. It's about salvation. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're missing step one. You, you can't get to second base. So you've got the first one right. Jesus Christ came and climbed up on that cross so that we could be saved. He did that to redeem the souls of men. I am come that they might have life. They might have it more abundantly. He came to pay the sin debt that, that we might be set free from bondage. That you might be set free. He came so that we don't have to go to hell. Anybody goes to hell goes by their own choice because they refuse the free gift of God. 
Is there anybody here this morning you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? You need that before you begin your reading. You can have that this morning. His name is Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, the life. None other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. It's just up to you. Father, I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I'm asking you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins and save my soul. It's not a poem. It's not lip service. You don't get to speak it with your lips and not surrender your heart. It is a surrendering the heart. Father, here's my heart. I'm asking you to save my soul. I want to be a child of the King. See, if you're faithful to ask him to forgive you of your sins and save your soul, he's faithful and just to do it. Amen. I want to ask the rest of you, if you would, if you'd stand where you are. Just go ahead and stand where you are. Oh, you got him, Valerie? Thank you, ma'am. Are, 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 we, are we committed to reading the Word of God? Man. Are we committed to reading the Word of God? I, I, want, you to, I want to make sure you understand this. If you've read through this book 50 times, it doesn't matter. I'm asking you to do it again now. There's a plan you can read the Bible through in 40 days. It takes a little longer than 15 minutes. But there's a plan to do it in 40 days. There's a plan to do it in six months. There's a plan to do it in two years and three years. Regardless of what, you're, what you normally do, regardless of your daily devotions, regardless of your prayer time, regardless of what you already read, I'm asking you to add this to it. If you don't have a daily reading plan, make this it. If you have one, plug this in. I believe with all my heart it'll change our lives. It'll change this church. I believe with all my heart God's looking for a church to stand up in these last days and say, Thus saith the Lord. We are in the Laodicean church age. It's called the lukewarm church. But that doesn't mean the entire church is lukewarm. It means that the hot church is watered down with a lot of cold churches. I don't want to be a cold church. I want to be on fire. I want God to use this church. I want to make a difference. How many of you know somebody that in your heart, I'm not asking you to be super judge or super spiritual. It's the truth. The scripture says that I shall know a tree by the fruit that it bears. So how many of you know that you can look at the fruit of some people around you and know they need Christ as their Savior? How many of you would love to be the one to get to lead them to the Lord? Make your light brighter. Make your light brighter. This right here, this is brand new batteries. This will recharge. This is like a solar panel. It will charge you every day. You don't have to keep redoing the batteries, man. You just keep getting up and letting the light shine. So when we walk into a room, darkness has to flee. Father, thank you so much. Well, thank you for being so incredibly good. God, I thank you for this precious book. This love letter written by the hand of God that the Holy Spirit would take time to sit down and pen us a book and tell us the whole story. And tell us why we needed a Savior and who our Savior is and what the benefits is. God, thank you so much for this precious book. God, I pray you'd help each one of us, Lord, as we take a challenge today. In this coming year, we're going to read your word together, Father. And I'm asking you right now, Lord, would you remove any hindrance, anything that's there, Father? I pray, God, you give us a mindset as one to seek to serve you more, to know you more, to live a life more pleasing to you. 
God, I pray you'd take this word. I pray you'd instill it in us and you'd change our hearts and our lives. God, I pray you'd unite us together as one. Will you bond us together that you might use us mightily, God, to reach this town, to reach Troop County and, and Hurd and Merriweather and Harris and all that surround us, God. May you help us to reach into Judea and Samaria, God. And may you help us to reach in the uttermost parts of the earth, God. We just want to stand before you with you being pleased, God. Well, we've wasted a lot of time. There's no better time to change it than today. You stop wasting time and, Lord, to make everything about you. We love you, God. Lord, you've been so good to us. We thank you and we praise you in the precious, sweet, holy name of Jesus. All God's people said.